Tonight, we're finishing up this series called Hashtag FOMO. What's, what's, what's FOMO? Okay. She hasn't been in school in a long time. She doesn't know how to raise her hand, but she nailed it. Fear of missing out. Anxiety that an exciting or interesting event may currently be happening elsewhere. If you were here last week, we dove into the topic, or topics, heaven and hell. And you guys were allowed to ask a bunch of questions about heaven or hell, and I answered some of them awesomely, and I answered some of them terribly, and I answered some of them with the words, I don't know, um, because that's a reality. I don't, I don't know all the answers uh, to what you may have questions about in terms of heaven or hell. But we talked about the fact that believing in Jesus is your only ticket to heaven. It's not your good works. It's not your getting over your stupidity or your bad things that you've done or, um, or even trying harder. It's, it's literally the work of Jesus on the cross and in his resurrection and you believing in that that gets your ticket to heaven. Tonight, we're going to transition into a different idea. We're going to transition into the cure for FOMO. Now, you may be thinking, well, Dan, last week we talked about Jesus in heaven, and you'd think that that would be the cure for FOMO. But the reality is, is that this side of heaven, we're still dealing with issues, right? We're, we're still dealing with this idea of FOMO, and we all deal with it in different ways, and we all deal with it in different circumstances, and we have to put the elephant in the room and say, you know what? We deal with FOMO. And I want to be very clear as to what the cure is for FOMO. There was a guy by the name of Peter. His, his name was actually Simon and Peter. Peter, Simon, Peter, whatever. There was a guy named Simon Peter, and Simon Peter was a fisherman. And back in the day, when Jesus walked the earth, they had sandals and long garments that were sewn from head to toe, and they didn't quite have the same kinds of distractions that we have here today. But there was a guy named Peter, and he was a, a fisherman, and Jesus walked up to him one day, and he was talking about fishing, and he was talking about, you know, hey, Peter, what'd you catch today? He wanted to know, what, what'd you catch? Griffin, what'd you catch? A couple steelheads? Yeah, yeah. Griffin's a fisherman. He knows what it is to fish. Peter was a fisherman. And this guy named Jesus walked up to Peter, who's a fisherman, and he decided to interact with him and get in his world and just ask questions about his life and what he likes and what, what he likes to do with his time. And, and he just got to know him with this question of, Peter, what'd you, what'd you catch today? There's another guy by the name of Matthew. The book of Matthew is written by Matthew. And, and Matthew was a, a tax collector, and, and, and Matthew, being a tax collector, if you, you guys don't even pay taxes yet, so you don't even know the awfulness that is taxes, but people hate tax collectors. People, as a matter of fact, they hated tax collectors because of this reason. Because if the government told the tax collector, Matthew, to go and collect taxes, Matthew had such power because he had an army behind him that he would say, hey, you know, you owe 
$10 this month in taxes. But you know what? Because I have the power and because I have the government and the army behind me, I'm going to take 50 from you this week. That's what tax collectors did. They abused their power. They abused people because of their power. And they took advantage of people and, and, and literally stole from them. So people hated tax collectors. They despised them. And, and, and Jesus came along one day and he, he, he saw Matthew and he was sitting in his tax collector's booth and he was about to, you know, just rake people over the coals and steal all their money and, and take whatever uh, above and beyond more than what he was expected to take in. And, and Jesus approaches him and Jesus got a trail of disciples and followers behind him and he, and, he, and he comes and talks to Matthew and he says, you know what, Matthew, I'm coming to your house today. And everyone who followed Jesus, their jaw dropped because they were like, Matthew's an idiot. Matthew is like the guy we hate. Why on earth, Jesus, would you want to hang out with Matthew of all people? And, and so you have these two people thus far. You have the fishermen who you'd think, okay, Peter, you know, fishermen. People like fishermen, right? Griffin? Yeah, people like fishermen. But the reality, here's the, here's the crazy thing. In Jesus' day, Jesus was a rabbi. Jesus was a, a, a teacher. And, and Jesus, well, let's, let's back up a little bit. The position of rabbi was revered. You know what I'm saying? There's my word. Jesus' Jesus's position of rabbi was revered. It, what that means is basically people looked up, like everyone looked up to a rabbi. And, and not only did they look up to rabbis, how many of you guys are athletes and want to become the best athlete in your craft? Do you have guys that you look up to? Girls, do you have athletes that you look up to? Singers, like you want to be the next T-Swift or maybe something different? But, but we have people, Ariana Grande, Ariana Grande, we have people that we look up to that we like, we want to aspire to be like, we want to... We don't want to be more like them. And, and the crazy thing is that back in Jesus' day, the position that everybody wanted was to be a rabbi. What? And they were literally, from the day they were born, they were raised, all of the people were raised to try to become a rabbi. They, their parents... Their parents made a statement right from the get-go. They said, you know, I don't care about soccer. I don't care about basketball. I don't care about choir. I don't care about band. We want you to become a rabbi, and we're going to do everything we can to try and help you become a rabbi. And so the, the aspirations of youth back in the day were to become a rabbi. And so the crazy thing is, is the people who didn't get to become a rabbi, they ended up becoming fishermen. They, they ended up becoming doctors. Isn't that crazy? They, they ended up becoming physicians. They ended up becoming teachers. They ended up becoming anything else but a rabbi. And, and so you have these two distinct characters. You have Peter on one side that's, that's a fisherman, and, and, and Jesus is hanging out with him just, you know, he, he's not the revered guy. He's not the most talented guy. He's not the smartest guy on the block. But but Jesus is hanging out with him, and, and, nobody, and everyone's okay with that. Like, it's, it's, 
it's fine for Jesus somewhat to hang out with a fisherman, other than the fact that he potentially is a reject to some degree because he didn't make the cut of being a rabbi. On the flip side, you have this guy named Peter. Not Peter. Matthew. You have this guy named Matthew, and and when Jesus interacts with Matthew, everyone's, again, their jaw drops because they're like, Matthew steals from people. And and not only does he steal from people, if they don't pay him what he wants, he'll throw him in jail. And And if he doesn't get that, he could even have the power to execute them. He could have the power to kill people. People hated tax collectors. And yet Jesus is engaging with this tax collector named Matthew, and he's engaging with this fisherman named Peter. And and his response is the same. Jesus' response to Peter was, hey dude, let me go out on your boat with you. Let's hang out. Jesus' response to to the tax collector that, that was hated was, hey dude, I'm going to your house today. Let's have dinner. Let's have lunch. That's what Jesus, that's what Jesus' reaction was to people. Regardless of what they did or didn't do, regardless of what people thought of them, Jesus' reaction to people was always, I want to hang out with you. I want to be around you. You think that you might be hated, you think that you might not have it all together, but guess what? Jesus will say, I want to come to your house today. Here's the cure to FOMO. It's not even the fact that Jesus wants to come to your house today. Because what Jesus said to each of those guys are the following words. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. The cure to FOMO is to follow Jesus. Not just into heaven. Not just jumping on the train and getting your ticket to ride into heaven. But following Jesus everywhere you go, every single day, with everything you are. You see, both those guys, and there's many more like it. It's not just Peter and it's not just it's not just. Uh, Matthew, it's, it's so many, from the beginning of time when Jesus came to the earth and he said those words, come follow me, millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of people have followed Jesus to this very day. And you know, there's a, there's a question in the air about whether Jesus is God or not. Most people that say that Jesus isn't God will say that he's a good teacher, that he was a, a prophet or he was a good dude. But there's only one problem with that. Jesus claimed to be God. So Jesus is either either a liar and a lunatic, or he is God. And he's saying to you, like he's saying to me, and like he's saying to Peter and John and Matthew and, and all the people that he interacted with, he's saying to you, come and follow me. Come and follow me when it's uncomfortable. Come and follow me. Be like me. When, when you go through your school day and you interact with people of all sorts, he wants you to follow him in such a way that, that when you see someone who's an absolute idiot, 
You love them because he loved them. When you see someone who's super popular and you hate them for it, you love them because Jesus loved them. Do you know what the cure to FOMO is? In Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, God says this to a, a dude, to Isaiah, duh. He says the words, and I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but he, sends these, he says these words to, to Isaiah. He says, who can I send? Who, who can I send? Basically what he's saying is, who can I trust to do something for me? Who, who can I trust to be something more for me? And, and Isaiah responded, he said, here I am, Lord. You can send me. Peter said, or Jesus said to Peter, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Do you know what, Jesus, do you know what Peter's reaction was? It wasn't, hey dude, let me, let me collect the rest of my fish and, and put it in a nice neat pile. His literal response was he dropped his nets at once and he began to follow Jesus. And the first time that Peter ever spoke, 3,000 people began to follow Jesus. How will you respond? Because the cure to FOMO is literally saying, God, here I am, send me. Regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your schedule, regardless of the stuff you're dealing with, we're all dealing with stuff. I got issues, just like you got issues. But God wants to change this world, and he wants to do it by starting with you. He wants to change you, and he wants to use you to partner with him to change the world. What starts here, right now, changes the world. Your response to Jesus is the cure to FOMO. What will you do with it? I want to share a story with you about this particular thing. Um, I think I've told you guys before that I was around church growing up. I, I, was, I was in youth groups kind of like this. wasn't nearly as cool as this. It was like sitting around in a room being bored and just some of you think this is boring and I feel sorry for you. But I literally sat in a room and it was dingy and dark and gross and just I twiddled my thumbs and it was just like Ugh. I know we're talking about Jesus it's supposed to be exciting but no one's excited and I'm not excited and that was my church experience but there were seeds sown into my life and it, it, it took it took some crazy thing for me to have an actual collision with Jesus when Jesus actually came to me and said God or not God <laughs> hello Dan like, I literally want you to follow me. I want you, I want you to follow me. I know that you've heard about me. I know that you know stories about me. But I want it to be real for you. I want, I want my relationship with me to be real. I don't want it to be something that you just think about or something that you just shelve over here. I want you to have the most adventurous, joyous, alive and free life with me. And the moment I decided to actually do that and respond to Jesus and follow him with everything I was, my life was, 
And ever since, it's been amazing. It's got bumps in the road, but it's been amazing ever since. And 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, I was a college student. And I was a part of a church, and I was a part of a college ministry, and I started volunteering in youth ministry like a lot of your leaders here tonight. And, and all I would do is I would show up, and I would move chairs, and I would set up chairs, and I'd set up light. I mean, I don't even know, I can't even remember what we did, but all I did, I was a grunt laborer. I just did whatever they asked me to do. And I loved it. I, I remember stapling, like, packets of information for, for, like, hundreds of kids to go to the beach, and I loved it. I remembered one time thinking, this is the dumbest thing in the world I could be doing right now, and I loved it because it mattered. And 10 years ago, I was working in the business world. I was a financial advisor making the bling bling. Well, just the bling, just one bling, half a bling, really. Uh... And God kind of, he started to stir in me, and he started to stir in my heart, and he said, he just kind of showed me, it's like, almost like he opened my eyes, it's almost like he took off the blinders to me, and said, Dan, I don't want you to just move chairs. Moving chairs is important, but I, I don't want you to just move chairs, I, I want you to love people, and I want you to share your love for me with others, and I want to share your story of how I've impacted you. And I want, to, I, want to, I want you to tell the world I love them. I want you to tell everyone you know that I love them and that I died for them. And I've never been the same since. I haven't been the same since. And it was scary. I, I decided to quit my job that I made lots of money in to take a job for $300 a month. I was a big boy. Graduated from college. Supposed to be paying the bills for $300 a month. I don't know if you guys know that math, but it doesn't add up. But I said, God, here I am. Send me whatever. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Wherever, wherever you want me to go, I'll do it. I say Yes. And I've tried for the be to the best of my ability to do that imperfectly, but I've tried to the best of my ability to do that every day of my life ever since. And I want to share something with you, because 10 years ago, God put in me something that has never left. But I've just kind of held it loosely, and I've just kind of said, God, whenever you want me, I'll, I'm there. I know there's a lot of preparation to this. I know there's, there's something you want to do with me, and you want to mold me into something greater and better. But God told me from the very beginning, Dan, I want you to plant a church. I want you to lead a church. And again, I've just, I've just kind of said, okay, God, I, I, I have that. I receive it. I don't know what that looks like. I'm a, I'm, I'm a baby, really, in this whole game of being a follower of Jesus, and yet you're asking me to do this. That was 10 years ago. Last year, probably around this time, right, God said, 
the time is coming, and it's coming soon. I want you to be prepared to do what I want you to do next. And that's hard, because it's scary. When God says, hey, I want you to do something, that's scary. It takes faith. And it's amazing. There's nothing greater. The cure to FOMO is to follow Jesus regardless of what you are experiencing right now. Just do it. Just say, yes, God, I will. He's not going to call you to kill people. He's not going to call you to harm people. He's going to call you to love people. And he's going to want you to do it and do it quickly. So I want to give you guys a piece of news. This has been in the works for over a year, two years now probably. But Kelsey and I are going to leave the river in January. And we're going to plant a church. And we're going to lead a new congregation of people. And we're going to do that primarily for this reason. Because God asked us to. Period. God wants to reach the world. God wants every single person in the world to know him. And he needs people to say yes. He he needs people to say yes when he asks them to go. And I'm crying because I love you guys. And I love being able to be a part of this. And I love being able to be a part of the work of God. There's nothing greater you will ever expose yourself to than that. Here's why I'm telling you. I'm telling you because I've been in ministry long enough to know that transition of leadership can suck. It can. And we want to do everything possible for you guys to continue what God is doing in this place and alive and free and make sure that it happens and happens awesomely. So here's, here's why I'm telling you right now. You're like, January, that's a long ways away. It is. But we want to prepare to make this transition. So here's what we're doing. Beginning May 1st, which someone told me is this coming week, right? Beginning May 1st, we're going to start taking resumes for whoever will take my place when we leave. The reason why we're doing that, we're doing that for the month of May, so May 1st to June 1st-ish. We're taking resumes of people who are interested in having my job, which there'll probably be thousands, because who doesn't want to hang out with you guys? And we're going to sort through those resumes, and we have a team of about five to six people-ish, and in, after, Jan, or after June, excuse me, we're going to start interviewing people to have them be here, hopefully on the ground and in place, ready to roll by the fall, by September. And that's a cool thing, hopefully, because that will allow myself and whoever comes to kind of share this and to dream together about what we're doing here and to, to allow them to step into the foundation that we've built over the last Six months, really. Not even that. Like four months. Three months. They can step into that and take it and, and, and far exceed it. And it will also give you guys an opportunity to meet someone and grow to know them and give them your best relational skills. And then, so they'll phase in and I'll phase out and you won't even know anything happened. Do you guys understand that this is a great thing? It's not just a great thing for, it's not, I'm not saying that because I want to leave. I'm saying it's a great thing because it's, it's important to say yes when God asks you to do something. And, it, and it's also important to realize that, that this could get way better than I even dreamed of. This, is, this, is, this Alive and Free is not about me at all. 
Not even remotely. And so, might you miss me for a week? Yeah, you'll probably miss Kelsey for like six months. We're going to break out into small groups, and we're going to talk about the idea of FOMO, and we're going to talk about the cure of FOMO. But if you have questions for me or for Kelsey, or just want to process with your leaders what, we, what we've shared tonight, the reason, let me, let me tell you this too. The, also the reason why we're telling you, no one else, there's a few people that know this is happening, but you, you guys are the first to know. We, we wanted you guys to know before anyone else knew. That was that important to us, that you guys got to know before you found out that, you know, there was resumes being taken or anything like that. We wanted to let you know ahead of time because we love you guys.